Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. everyone. This is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, and I'm very excited today to be joined with a co-host, Isabel Barrett, one of my colleagues at W2 Communications. And we are thrilled to be talking with Marcella Robertson. She is an anchor and reporter at WUSA 9. She is on Get Up VC in the early, early morning. So we are so excited to talk to you, Marcella. I know you've already had a full day at the time <laughs> of us recording this. So appreciate you taking the time. Um, would love to hear more about how you got your start in journalism and how you made your way here to local broadcast news. Yeah, I mean, so I, um, well, first, thanks for for having me here. I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, my journey to broadcast journalism. Um, it, it was, uh, I, get, I feel like it may be a little bit different than most people. I feel like a lot of people know what it is that they want to do, you know, in the broadcast industry, whether they want to be on air or a producer. And I really didn't have an idea. I knew I was interested in journalism, but um, it really wasn't until uh, my senior year at George Mason, I took a bunch of journalism classes, comm classes, and then I got an internship at a local news station um, in DC. And that kind of like sealed the deal for me that this was something that was exciting. It was something new and different every day and that I wanted to pursue this. So I, um, I ended up getting my master's um, in multimedia journalism. And then uh, right out of um, school there, I got my first on-air position um, in, in Charlottesville, Virginia. From there, I went on to work three years in the Hampton Roads uh, news market. And then I came back up here about six, seven years ago, um, back to DC. And I've been at WSA 9 ever since. That's awesome. Love it. So can, can you tell us a little bit more about your role at WUSA 9? What types of topics do you typically cover? Are there any interesting local angles you're drawn to right now? I know we were we were just talking about the panda, the pandemonium. <laughs> panda <Yeah>. exit. <laughs> the panda exit, the big panda exit. Um, yeah, I mean, for my role, um, so I'm the weekend morning anchor. Um, so I anchor the, the morning shows then, and then my role is different during the week. So I'm a reporter for Get Up DC three days a week, and I'm general assignment. Um, my beat is Virginia. So I do focus on mostly Virginia stories, um, but they range from anything. So it can be um, pandas, it can be breaking news, it can be politics, um, it can be feature stories. So really just a, a wide range of things. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, election stuff is, as we kind of ramp up for 2024, that um, is becoming, uh, you know, kind of something that we're focusing on. Um, local elections, obviously, always important. Um, we just had that. And so it, it really kind of just depends on the um, the time of year. Um, sometimes we have a lot of breaking news, sometimes we don't. And then just, you know, stories and topics and things that were kind of important to, to every reporter, um, I think is what we try to kind of pitch and focus on ourselves. Yeah. So how do you, you know, considering all that, all those topics and such a broad spectrum of things, how do you typically report with that local, you know, DC, Virginia audience in mind? Um, what do you, do you mean like as far as stories that are important to them or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What like yeah. How do you consider what's important to them and how do you kind of cater your reporting to that kind of audience? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it, you know, has a lot to do with, we have a lot of conversations within the newsroom. Um, you know, if there are stories, which story is going to have the, the widest impact, right? Especially when you're talking about maybe a bigger local news market. Is it, you know, a community that is dealing, you know, a community of maybe 20 people that's dealing with this issue, but they're really, really worked up about it. Um, is it an important story to tell? Absolutely. But if there is maybe, um, you know, in that same same time frame, a story that is impacting thousands and thousands of, of voters or, um, yeah. you know, thousands of people with without power or something like that, that's probably going to take, um, you know, probably going to take preference over something um, that's not impacting as many people. So I think that plays a major role in it. Mm -hmm. um, but also, even if it's just impacting, you know, a smaller community, could this happen in other areas too? So I think that's also something that we look at. But lots of conversations when it comes to, you know, the editorial process in the newsroom, picking the stories that we decide to pursue and, and why. So um, yeah, every sure. day those conversations are happening. Yeah. And I, I know you're on Get Up DC on the weekends for, mm -hmm. at 4.45 or 4.25 a.m. So can you tell us a little bit about what your typical day looks like? How do you even begin to prepare for a live show that starts that early? Yeah. So during the week, we start at 425. On the weekends, we start at 7 a.m. Um, and I think during the week, you know, when I'm out reporting in the field, um, so my day typically starts around 1.30, 2 o'clock. Um, I'll check my email, get my assignment, whether it's breaking news, maybe it's something that um, we had planned to cover before. You know, sometimes they're, they're fun live shots. The morning show really has the opportunity to do that. So um, I always try to the night before to wrap my head around like, okay, before I go to bed, what's the the, the biggest breaking news that we had. Maybe that's something that I'll cover. If I know that, you know, maybe we're looking ahead to something, just kind of wrapping my head around, um, around that, whether it's a big trial or something happening on Capitol Hill, just making sure I'm kind of in the know so I have an idea of the, the range of topics that I may be assigned to. Um, but I typically don't find out until the morning of. So it's the middle of the night and then trying to wrap your head around, you know, a, a news story that's fresh to you. Um, can be challenging sometimes, but um, we kind of do our best. So I, I clock in technically at three o'clock um, in the morning. And then um, our first live shots can be anywhere from, you know, 4.30 in the morning uh, to five. And then we're on until about seven o'clock. So um, a couple of different live shots, again, depending on the story um, and just a very short amount of time to kind of wrap your head around what it is that you're reporting on. Wow, what a day. Every day is different, it sounds like. Every day um, is different, yeah. <laughs> that's how we like it around here. Um, here's actually a question from our listeners. How much planning goes into digital programming and news content, especially when there's multiple platforms you have to appeal to, like the mobile app, for example? Yeah, I mean, we have a pretty big digital team. So um, as far as my role in that, um, you know, it's not super complicated. I just have to make sure that I producer a web story to pass on to them. But sometimes if there's something that, you know, is a, a special project maybe that we worked on or a special story, um, then, you know, there is collaboration in that. Like, what can we do for, for different platforms? Maybe, you know, I had a, a package that, you know, they wanted cut down to two minutes and 30 seconds, but I really wanted it to be five minutes. So there's, you know, opportunities to provide more um, in-depth reporting, longer reporting for like our streaming platform. Um, if there are interviews, maybe that, you know, are a little bit longer that are only good for streaming or only good for YouTube. So just kind of having those conversations, um, you know, and thinking about 
where your story will do the best on, right? The audience on Facebook is not the audience on Twitter, is not the audience on Instagram and TikTok. So um, I think just kind of having that in the back of your mind um, when it comes to your story, um, you know, in particular, where would be the best place for, for this to live? And are there any, you know, web extras that you can produce along the way? That's a really good point. I, I know you're one of the, I think the first broadcast journalist guests that we've had on and, you know, thinking about topics to, to speak about that whole visual component is something that we really haven't explored with many people. So it's interesting to hear mm-hmm. how you incorporate that into different platforms and how you're telling your stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it can be, you know, challenging because you're, we're not experts on, you know, the YouTube algorithms and Facebook algorithms, yeah. but you, you kind of get a sense just from the people that you're interacting with, what your audience is. Um, and you kind of get a better idea of, you know, topics that they're interested in. So you kind of have to keep that in the back of your mind as you are reporting and, you know, trying to get your, your stories out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the like 24 hour news cycle, especially with broadcast news. I mean, you covered pandas yesterday, the day before you covered a missing child, the day before a local shooting. So there's such a spectrum Mm -hmm. of topics. We're just curious, um, like what percentage of these stories are brought to you by a producer to cover versus um, maybe inbound pitches or things that you seek out? What does that breakdown look like? Yeah, I mean, typically like we pitch our own stories. So, um, you know, there's stories that we are either finding on social media or, um, you know, people have contacted us with tips. Sometimes it's a tip that's sent personally. Sometimes it's a tip that is sent to our entire newsroom. And so we all have access to that. Um, as far as producers pitching, it's maybe it's like a segment, right. That they would like for their show. But uh, a lot of times, you know, these, these pitches are things that we have gotten from members in the community that we've seen on social media. Um, it takes, you know, some time maybe going through, um, an agenda for city council, for board of supervisors, and looking through some of this stuff that can seem a little bit, you know, tedious and looking through all these agendas, but then you're like, wait a minute, they're discussing this today, and we know that people have been really worked up about it. Um, so, you know, things that you're not necessarily going to get, like, a notification for, but um, just a little bit of digging, you know, people are always talking on Nextdoor, on Ring, kind of the, hmm. the social sites that most people don't really you know, you're not posting pictures of your kids or what's going on, but they are really important issues within the community, right? Whether yeah. it's, you know, packages being stolen around Christmas time and people, you know, putting out a warning about that or really dangerous intersection and just those things that, you know, you might see on a quick little post on Nextdoor that you may, you know, scroll past typically, but then you're like, wait a minute, there's a hundred comments here and, you know, nine people saying they've almost been hit in the same week. So maybe this is something to pursue a little bit. So that's kind of where, you know, most of our stories come from. Um, it's hard to say, you know, a percentage because things are yeah. different. They look different every day. They look different every week. Uh, but a lot of that stuff is, you know, just kind of what's happening in the community. And then another percent is, you know, breaking news, kind of the must cover stories of of the day. Yeah, no, that's a really good perspective. And Anna, you mentioned, you know, the upcoming um, presidential election next year and other topics. Are there any other, you know, major topics that you foresee um, the station covering? Is it like holiday shop? Are there things that happen every year that are kind of set in stone? Are there like some major topics you're looking at exploring uh, coming up in the near future? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you have your, um, your kind of typical yearly news cycle stories, right? I mean, you have flu season, you have, you have holiday shopping, but then I think you have to also kind of incorporate, well, all of those things and then what the environment is around it, right? So if you're talking holiday shopping, well, we're also dealing with, you know, heck of a, a time period of inflation. Sure. Um, so how are people navigating that? Um, you know, when you're talking about, yeah, maybe the typical Thanksgiving meal, if you, you're, you know, have maybe a lighter segment, well, a typical Thanksgiving meal today doesn't cost what it, it costs, you know, five years ago. So maybe mm-hmm. a breakdown of that, just to make sure that you're actually talking about things that matter to people, right? I think it would be, um, not, not sure if insensitive is the right word to use here, but if we're talking about, you know, all the, the turkey tips, but turkeys cost $100 more than they did last year, we're not really addressing what's impacting people. Um, and so obviously just giving that that random example there, that's yeah. not <laughs> what we're dealing with. Um, but, you know, uh, upcoming, I mean, next week, we're, uh, tomorrow, we're going to be one week away from another potential government shutdown next sure. week. So, um, making sure we're kind of staying on top of those things. Again, things that really, really impact viewers and things that they care about. And I think for local news too, things that they are not going to see on your, you know, 24 hour um, cable news channel, because, uh, you know, that's what local news does. They, we cover things that are happening in people's communities and, and what's really important to them. I love that. I think that's a really good perspective and it's considering some of these topics within the context of the current climate. I think that's an important perspective. So that's yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, a question that I feel like will be relevant to, to a good segment of our audience. We're talking about how you find stories. How do you prefer to be pitched? Are there any best practices you can share for organizations or even PR people who are looking to work with you? Yeah, you know, I actually have gotten this question quite a bit lately. Um, And I think that, um, you know, I think the two worlds, they're so very different, but so very similar at the same time. And I think that um, for PR companies, right, or if you're looking to pitch a story or looking to have someone on a show as a guest, I think it's really important to remember kind of what we just talked about, like the impact and that certain things in the environment are having on people right now, right? So if you have, and how you're wording that, if that makes sense. So not just, um, you know, we'll have people say, oh, I have this expert that's available to talk about A, B, and C. It's like, okay, well, that kind of gets lost in the mix but if you and I'm going to bring up these turkeys again I don't know why but we're I guess we're approaching Thanksgiving but if you have you know an expert a financial expert that can talk about specific right listing out those details like okay this is why turkeys are more expensive this is what people can do to um you know avoid it these are tips to you know a b and c and kind of give specific examples I feel like that's always helpful as far as, you know, um, a, a pitch maybe from an organization, whether it's, um, you know, a corporate company or whether it's, you know, you're doing PR for, for a school district, I think it's important to remember when you're pitching that, w- what the story is. And I feel like every, every company has someone, right, a character who has a story. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the mix. Um, is there a 90-year-old teacher that is still teaching? That's a really good story, not the fact that, you know, um, pizza is now being served at schools, right? And so I think sometimes um, the, the press releases that we get 
they're they're kind of in that in that category where it just gets passed on. And sometimes I think it's because people kind of forget, well, what what makes a good story? What would you care about? And sometimes it's the people that are passing them, you know, in the halls at work. And those are things that I think people really care about. Um, you know, has someone been with a company for for 70 years? Just things that, you know, make good, you know, human interest stories a lot of times, I think is what it kind of just goes back to the basics, what I wish more pitches looked like, if that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. I feel like you explained well the necessary ingredients to succeed, but are there any nice to have such as a visual element up front? Uh, like we have video on this or we can yeah. you come yeah. to our school, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that anytime you have those extras to provide and let, you know, a news organization know up front, like, hey, we have B-roll of A, B, and C. This is where we can do the interview. You know, we're happy to accommodate um, because at the end of the day, if you have this amazing story, but you have no visual elements for it, sometimes that can make a, a broadcast story really difficult to tell. So I think any extras that you're able to let people know you have up front um, it's really helpful. And then also I think timing wise, which I think also goes into and, and plays a role into why stories sometimes are overlooked because maybe the press release is sent out a month in advance and then it's never followed up on. Mm -hmm. And it's great to get it out there early, but our planning happens day of, right? And so a lot of those decisions are made, you know, hours before something happens. And so maybe a month isn't the, you know, month in advance isn't the best time to send a press release or maybe you send it and then you continue to follow up. Hey, a reminder, this is happening tomorrow. Um, and so I think that, you know, when there's a lot of press releases that come in, a lot of pitches, I think sometimes that gets lost too. Yeah, that's that definitely makes sense. And I know we've we've learned a lot in the past, you know, 15 minutes about the experience and the process you take in reporting local news. Um, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned throughout your career? And are there any pieces of advice that you would give to an aspiring journalist? Oh, I mean, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like lots of lessons, right? I feel like there are daily lessons. Um, I think for me, the biggest lesson in just being in the journalism industry is, is that, you know, people matter at the end of the day, their stories matter. And it's important to, to not ever forget that, right? Why, why it is that you're, you're in this, in this profession. I think the biggest piece of advice I would have is uh, to never forget that, right? Never let that kind of, um, yeah, you, that should kind of always be at the forefront of your reporting is that people are important. They're the, they're the reason that you should be doing this um, to help get their stories out, to help give people a voice who may not otherwise have that. And I think also just to be able to take criticism along the way, you know, you, I've come a, a long way when I think about some of the packages and stories that I, you know, wrote and, and turned from 10 years ago to now, and I'm still looking for critique and I'm still looking for, for criticism because you should always want to want to get better. So I think being open to that, which I think is difficult sometimes to hear, especially if it's not what you want to hear, um, but you can always work to to get better at that. So I think that's really important to keep that in the back of your mind that you should always be open to to criticism. But I mean, whether it's broadcast or, or a different field. Yeah, I think that's really good advice for literally anybody right now. <laughs> Remembering uh, that everyone, everyone is a human being, right? And then also be open yeah. to criticism and improvement. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we were also wondering, do you have a favorite memory or one of your most memorable stories that you've reported on throughout your career? Um, I, I don't know if there's, you know, memorable in a sense where there have been some really awful tragedies that I think stick with you. I don't think memorable is the, um, maybe the best description for them, but just stories where, you know, you kind of have to, to count your blessings. Um, but I think for me, what's always, I guess the best part of the most interesting part of the job is always getting to see, to see things and have the opportunity to be in places that I typically wouldn't be if I weren't in this job, right? So this morning, for example, I had a, a shoot with VDOT and, you know, I'm on a bridge on one of the busiest interstates that is getting ready to open up next week and I'm standing on it, right? And so I, as a, you know, as a driver, I can't just pull over on the side of the road and go check out this bridge that's getting ready to open up, oh, you know, over 12 lanes of traffic, but it's an opportunity to, to go and see something, right? Going to the White House to cover an Easter egg roll, um, just being in, you know, again, in places and, and kind of behind the scenes of places that you typically wouldn't get to, to be in. I think for me, that's kind of the most interesting part of the job. And I think will always be the most memorable. Yeah, that sort of inside look at certain things and covering those yeah. major historical events, right? I, I, yeah, that's really, um, really interesting, and it really kind of shapes your your career as well. Yeah, I mean, you truly do get, you know, a, a kind of a front row seat to to history to covering that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, the Nats parade, the you know, yeah. the Capitals parade, things like that that are moments in history and you kind of have to take a step back and say, okay, yeah, I'm covering this. I'm talking to people that are excited about it. Um, you know, and, and then also things that are, are not, you know, happy and exciting, but I'll never forget the March for our lives when you had, you know, the Parkland school shooting. And then these, these kids, they orchestrated this massive, massive rally months later um, in, in Washington, DC, covering something like that on, you know, on a riser, I think taking taking a moment to, to soak that all in that you are covering these bits and pieces of history that are, you know, they're going to end up in, in my daughter's history books one day. And it's pretty cool to say, oh, yeah, I covered that. I was there for that that rally um, or this parade. And I think that's that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Do you get recognized like outside the public? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, every once in a while. And I mean, it's, it's really just um, it's nice. Just genuine viewers who whether, you know, they watch you where they follow you on social media um and I feel like lately a lot of it has been like oh you just had a baby oh. <laughs> um, and so oh. it is really yeah it is really sweet to to kind of know that um you know we don't meet these people a lot you know our viewers because it's you know we're talking to a camera and that for us it kind of you know it, that's what we do every day but it is really nice when you realize oh yeah people are, are watching in there you know, they're following and, and they're invested in your, your life, which is really, I think is really sweet, right? They're asking, mm. um, not just invested in your reporting, but in your personal life. And it, um, it's nice to have that, that relationship with viewers. Yeah. I love that. I remember like, as a kid, I used to think like the local news people were like <laughs> celebrities, you know, it's like, Oh, okay, <laughs> so I'm sure that there's an element of that to your experience as well. I still think that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, it's so yeah, we do ask some um, listener questions, actually. So I want to get into that to kind of wrap up our conversation. Sure. I'm going to start with a fun one because I feel like we're in that mode right now. Um, <laughs> we, we were looking into your background, speaking of personal. Mm -hmm. 
and noticed that you were um, born in Germany and speak fluent mm-hmm. German. Mm-hmm. Um, this listener wants to know if you found the best or most authentic Oktoberfest in the DMV area. I, I have never been to an Oktoberfest in the DMV, so okay. if they have any recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have it. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Um, wow, that's that's great. And how long were you, um, how long do you live in Germany for? Um, so I, I was born there and then I moved here when I was five, okay. um, but my mom's whole family's still over there. So we go back quite a bit. Oh, great. Yeah. Here's another uh, interesting kind of fun listener question. What are you interested okay. in outside of work? Um, tell us something our, our listeners might not know about you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty, pretty simple girl. I, I love, <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a foodie, but, you know, I just love a, a good dinner. I love hanging out with my my family. My family and my friends were all really close. Um, I love hanging out with my my daughter, my husband, just kind of exploring the city, I think, is one of the things that I really enjoy doing in my my free time. I mean, I grew up in Northern Virginia, but, um, you know, as a kid, you don't, you kind of take the monuments and all the museums for granted. So that's kind of been our thing lately is trying to uh, get to as many museums as we, we can and just kind of explore, you know, a lot of what the city has to offer. Um, and, you know, I, I am still teaching outside, which I really, really enjoy um, teaching journalism. Uh, I taught at Hampton, um, at George Mason, which was really cool. And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how, how I spend a lot of my free time is just relaxing with my family and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and trying to explore the city. Yeah, you're very busy. That's for sure. <laughs> great. Well, um, Marcel, it's been really great to get to know you and, and hear more about the whole lo- local news process. I think this has been really informative for our listeners as well. So we really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us today. Yeah, yes. thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in and please follow Marcella's coverage, follow her on social media. And yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found. 